It's that time of year. The Midwest winter is officially behind me. I'm shedding layers and heading outdoors, and you know what that means. Delia D'Ambra is back for a new season of Park Predators. In this brand new season, Delia is taking us from iconic American landmarks like the Grand Canyon to the plains of Zambia and everywhere in between. Every Tuesday this summer, Delia will bring you a new story, each of a time when the remote beauty of nature has been used to cover up sinister secrets. So no matter where you're off to this summer season, don't go alone. Take Delia with you. The new season of Park Predators has begun with new episodes airing every Tuesday all summer long. Listen to all the new episodes and all the past episodes right now by searching Park Predators wherever you get your podcasts. It's no mystery dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Voxelon or Moxidectin in pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus Chews. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. State Farm helps you win by helping you create an affordable price just for you. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the second episode of Crime Junkie. I am your host, Ashley Flowers, as always, joined by Britt. Hi. And we would love nothing more than if you would leave us a rating and review on iTunes. The only way more people can find the show and hear about the show is if you guys do ratings and reviews. And it's the only way that we can keep bringing you new content and crazy stories like the story I'm about to tell you today. Before we jump into that, though, we'd love to tell you a little bit about our favorite nonprofit organization, Crime Stoppers. This episode of Crime Junkie is brought to you by Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana. Excuse me, can I, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, go for it. Uh, do you know what Crime Stoppers is? Um, is it that dog, the, uh, the scruff, my gruff? Oh, nope, can't sing the song, can't afford the song. <laughs> but do you know what they do? Uh, isn't it the dog just kind of goes around and helps solve the murders for the <laughs> state government? I don't know. No, no, not quite. While everyone loves the idea of a bad crime-fighting dog, that's not what Crime Stoppers is. 
Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit that allows a place for people to give anonymous tips about crimes if they are in fear for their life or for whatever reason don't want the police to know who they are when they give the tip, but they have valuable information. You can do this through phone numbers, online tips. They even have an app called P3 that you can download and submit your tip along with photos and videos. Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit and receives no government funding. So look into yours, see how you can get involved, see how you can help. And if you want more information on Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana, go to crimetips.org. All right, everyone, this week I have a really infamous case for you. We are going to be talking about the murder of Lacey Peterson. Britt, I don't even know where to start with this case. It's so big. Honestly, I was kind of surprised you chose this one because it's obviously really well known and in my opinion, kind of cut and dry. I mean, Scott did it. Scott did it. Scott did it. Scott did it. That's the thing. Okay, so I feel like if anyone has the same attitude that you do, they definitely need to listen close to this episode because I thought I knew this case inside and out until I really started digging into the facts. And I know absolutely nothing. Like nothing I know to be true is true. And there are so many twists and turns that never, I don't know if it's because we're so far away here in Indiana, but like it never made it to us through the media or if the media was intentionally covering up all of these things. But it's, it's not cut and dry. He maybe didn't do it. Well, I'm excited for you to maybe change my mind. All right, so we're going to start the day before Lacey goes missing. She and Scott have a really normal day. First, they go to her sister's salon, and Scott gets a haircut, and they actually invite her over for dinner that night, but she already has plans, so she doesn't come over. And around 8.30, Lacey calls her mom to confirm plans for Christmas Eve dinner. Christmas Eve is the next day, and after she gets off the phone with her mother, they go to bed they are watching a movie in bed till about 10 30 when they fall asleep now the next day this is the critical december 24th 2002 when lacy is officially reported missing and the only account we have from this day obviously comes from scott because he was the only person who was with her and he says the day starts around 7 to 7.30 is when Lacey wakes up and eats breakfast, and he gets up between 8 and 8.30. And around 8.45, 9.45, Lacey's telling Scott all of her plans for the day. She wants to walk the dog. She needs to go to the store because um, it's her responsibility. She's bringing this, like, French toast Christmas casserole brunch or casserole to the brunch that she organized with her mother. And she has to go pick up all the ingredients. And actually, the recipe for this this casserole was on her kitchen counter so that kind of lends credence to his story and around 9 45 he says that he and her were watching martha stewart that morning and she was talking about making some kind of lemon meringue cookie or something like that and shortly after this sometime within the next 40 minutes um lacy is mopping the floor and scott starts packing up his truck and decides to leave because he was going to go golfing but it was really too cold that day and he decides that he is gonna take his new boat out and go fishing instead so he's got a nine minute drive to this warehouse that he keeps where he holds his boat and it's kind of like a little office it's got this computer and so while he's driving there the police have records he checks his voicemail at 10 08 
and the voicemail was from his boss. So when he gets to his warehouse, he actually gets on the computer and there's records to show that he was actively using his computer from 10.30 in the morning to 10.56 in the morning. And he sends an email to his boss replying to the email and then he looks up instructions on how to assemble this woodworking tool that he had just gotten in the mail a couple of days ago. And at this point, we have about 20 minutes that's unaccounted for of his time. But, and, and the, you know, later the prosecution, what everyone says is, um, the, you know, in this 20 minutes, he's wrapping up a body, he's attaching weights, he's doing you know, whatever it is he's doing. It, right. It's depending on how you look at it, it's either sinister or not. But what um, they do find is when they come back to the warehouse, that tool that he had just received in the mail was fully assembled. So it's really possible that in these 20 minutes, he was actually assembling the tool that he had looked up instructions to assemble. Makes sense. So, he then leaves and goes to the marina and he gets an actual ticket at 12.54 showing that he arrived at the boat dock and was going to launch his boat. And so he gets his boat backed up and into the water and he, from 12.55 to 2.11, is out fishing. And there are actually people who saw him back up his boat, load up his boat, and launch. And the thing here is is you would think, again, the, everyone's theory is that he dumped Lacey in the Berkeley Marina or somewhere in the bay. You would think someone had would have seen her body. I mean, they saw him launch. It's a 14-foot little fishing boat. It's not some yacht that he can hide her body below. <laughs> so she launches off. He launches off. People see him. They don't say anything, but, you know, who knows? So, so many questions surrounding that. He ends up leaving between 2.15 and 3.25. He gets his boat docked up. And this is where we kind of hear a famous call of him calling Lacey to let her know that he was on his way home. And I call it like the Hey Beautiful call. Hey Beautiful, I just left a message at home. Uh, 2.15, I live in Berkeley. I won't be able to get to Villa Farms to get that basket for Papa. I was hoping you would get this message and uh, go on out there. I'll see you in a bit, sweetie. Love you. Bye. So he's coming back at this point, stops for gas. He actually tries to call Lacey again, and he arrives back at his warehouse at 4.13, and he packs everything up and gets home between 4.30 and 4.45, which matches perfectly if he's going to load up his stuff and then make the nine-minute drive back home. And at this point, he notices a couple of weird things. So Lacey's car is in the driveway, but Lacey isn't home. And he says at this point, he makes the assumption that Lacey's mom came over and picked her up and they went, you know, Christmas shopping or she went over to help prepare the Christmas Eve dinner or whatever it was. Um, But he's not immediately concerned. The door is unlocked and their dog, Mackenzie, is in the backyard with her leash still on, which is a little bizarre because he said that, I mean, and anyone with a dog doesn't just like leave their dog in the yard with the leash on if they're not like being tied up or something like that so he takes the leash off and then um Lacey had been mopping earlier if you'll remember when he left he said that there was like dirty mop water still so he dumps that out and then he decides to go shower and wash his clothes and this is huge for everyone who is against Scott they're saying like why on earth would the first thing you do is you your wife isn't home and you come home and you shower and you wash your clothes and he says well Again, I, I wasn't super concerned, and I stunk. I was fishing. I freak. 
So he wanted to jump in the shower and then he's like, it was super normal. Like if I go into my, my workshop, I'm often around a lot of chemicals. I have a pregnant wife at home. So a lot of the times, the first thing I'll do is put my clothes in the wash and just start the, the wash. You know what I mean? It's not like you're washing them by hand. You just press a couple buttons. It's not a huge deal. I gotta say, I agree with him on this. Yeah, yeah. Not so bad. Not so guilty. The next thing he does when he gets out of the shower is he presses play. They, he sees they have some messages. I mean, gotta remember, this is 2002, and like oh, they're actually like machines. Yeah, <laughs> actually still answering machines. Um, so Scott plays the messages, and he hears his own message, which makes him think that she wasn't there to even get that one initially. And then he also hears a message from Lacey's stepdad. And Lacey's stepdad had called to say, hey, you know, when you guys come over later today, can you please bring some whipped cream? We don't have any for the pies. And this is the first time that he starts getting concerned because, you know, his assumption is, okay, if you weren't there when I called you, I thought you were with your mother. But now they're calling us asking for something. So he immediately calls her family and starts ringing alarm bells and asking, you know, is she with you? which immediately, obviously she's not, and everyone starts getting concerned. And at he calls them at 5.17. At 5.18, the family is on like a full-on search. So Scott takes McKinsey, and he's walking around the neighborhood, seeing if he can see any sign of her. You know, maybe something happened and she fell over. You know, she's eight months pregnant at this time. So anything can happen. And the family's driving around. The family's making calls. And by 5.47, her stepdad calls 911. And this is, again, something that people often point to, like, well, why on earth why would Why wasn't you... it Scott? Yeah. Yeah, Scott calls her dad. Like, no, call 911. But, again, I mean, to play devil's advocate, like, if I came home and my husband wasn't home, the first thing I'm not going to do is call 911. I am. I'm going to, like, call the people who he might be with and not try and overreact right away. But her dad calls 911, and by 6.50, so that's about an hour later, Modesto police arrive. And the first detective on the scene is Al Brocchini. And he looks around at the house. Scott lets him in without a warrant and says, yes, absolutely, look around. Everything looks undisturbed. And there's nothing really there to go off of. But Al Brocchini says, like, right from the get-go, Scott's demeanor is wrong. He's concerned with them, like, when they're in the driveway and opening the doors. He doesn't want them to, like, scratch his truck. He's making them use coasters under all their drinks. And he's like, this isn't, he's not a grieving husband. He's not a concerned husband. And so immediately, you know, whether it's his instincts or not, the first thing a lot of police do is talk to the people close. So they bring Scott in for an interview that night. And so from 12 a.m. to 1 a.m., there is a videotaped interview of Scott giving his, you know, testimony of the day and basically telling him, like, listen, I, you know, this is what I did. This is where I was. And, you know, he's asking all the important questions, like, was there problems in your marriage? And Scott, Scott says, no, they have a pretty normal marriage. They have a baby on the way. He loved Lacey and didn't have anything to do with her disappearance. Now, something to mention, and I don't know when this takes place exactly. So there's a caveat here. So I've seen reports, and I think this was something that at the time in 2002, 2003, 2004, when this was going on, that I heard beat into the ground over and over, was on December 24th. So this is the same day she goes missing. At some point, I can't find a timestamp for any of this, um, it's reported that Scott ordered the Playboy channel. What a creep. 
Well, yeah. So, and and but when I was like looking back again, this is this to me was something like one of like the highlights. Like, yeah, he to me he like killed his wife. He had an affair. He ordered the Playboy Channel. Like, I could have like said this over and over. Right. And but when I went back and looked, like all I could find was from like 2004, and it was like People Magazine. There was some like NBC, CBS, but it was like a one and done reporting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Because what I'm finding in Scott's case is everyone was super anxious and like as soon as something suspicious would come out, everyone would report on it as fact. And then there were some things that as they found out weren't true, they would like the media wouldn't even back out. They would just pretend like it never happened. So instead of like writing a retraction or saying like, hey, I know we reported this, but here's actually what happened. They just dropped it. So. It's, it was reported back in 2004 that somewhere on the 24th, and again, I don't know where because he, like, gets home, showers, apparently looks for her, and then, like, is in, in police custody. So I don't know when it was, but apparently he orders the Playboy channel, and then a couple of days later, he orders, like, I think it was, like, five days later, he orders, like, more explicit pornography channels, um, which, again, I have I can't like show any court documents i haven't gone through all the court documents like thirty thousand pages um but (laughs) all i have are these news so you know take it with a grain of salt but if it's real it's real shady (laughs) like real shady definitely definitely suspicious so at this point it takes us into christmas day like worst christmas day of all time but christmas day and he takes or the police ask him to take a polygraph and at this point, like, his family, he's willing to, but his family says, you know, let's let's wait. Like, wait till you have a lawyer. Like, and even I, like, if I could say anything, I if, if my husband was missing, I wouldn't take a polygraph. Like, they can't be used in court for a reason. Um, it's, you know, not an exact science. But this obviously is something that police use to decide if people are being honest. Even, like, will they take it or won't they take it gives a kind of indication. It's an indicator, right. Right. So um, his whole family urges him not to take the polygraph. So originally he says yes, then he backs out and says no. And, again, warning flags for the police, like, just go flying. So on the 26th, the media starts to get a hold of this case. And for them... It's perfect. And I think this this is what added to the perfect storm of this case is there is no real like breaking news coming out like on or before or after Christmas. So the news cycle is dead. And at 2000, in 2002 is when the 24-hour news cycle actually had just, begin, had just begun. And they're constantly looking, tr- trying to fill their, their stream. And so they start flocking to his house. And he has basically a media hub just parked on his front lawn. And at this point, people start coming forward and telling the family, like, hey, you know, I know what's going on. Like, I'm in the neighborhood. I see all the police. I've seen the the news media. I've seen the reports. And I think I've seen Lacey walking that day. And so all of this went to the police. The family would say, hey, you know, to Detective Al Brocchini, to whoever, like, go talk to these people. They said they've seen Lacey. Maybe this will help us find her. And what they're finding is they're assuming that the police are vetting all of this. What we learn later is I don't think they did a great job of that. Even early on, they really had their sights set on Scott. So we find out later that there were almost 21, 24 sightings of Lacey on the 24th walking her dog. What? Yeah, but none of this really gets into any formal report or any 
it doesn't play into the prosecution's theory at all of what happened. Yeah, I mean, not like I was at, tr- at the trial or anything, but I had definitely never heard that. Right. So on the 26th, the police asked Scott, they, you know, they did an, like an initial like look around on the 24th, but on the 26th, they asked him to do a formal search of the place where they would actually try and collect evidence, do fingerprinting, all of that. And what again, what we hear in the media is that Scott denied them and that they went in with a search warrant. Um, Scott's version and his family's version of this is Scott had an attorney at this time and he said, yeah, I'm fine with it. Let me clear it with my attorney. And Scott didn't hear back from his attorney in time. And the police just got restless and said, well, you know, we were basically just asking to see what you would say. We have a warrant anyways. And they served the warrant at 5 p.m. on the 26th and did a full sweep of the house. Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series Criminal Minds Evolution is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally to solve a deadly mystery. As conspiracies mount, the team faces their biggest threat yet. Stream the thrilling crime drama Criminal Minds Evolution exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. It's such a nice perk to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places. But working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anyone else. And that's been great for me especially because these last few months, I've been doing a lot of on-the-ground reporting with our team from northern Wisconsin to Utah to the middle of nowhere, Indiana. No matter where I go, I'm able to stream, make calls, or get those case-altering DMs from sources, which that's my favorite part. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speedtest Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Now, if we fast forward to the 27th, at this point, again, we're all about Scott and everyone's saying that Scott isn't reacting how they want him to react. He really wants nothing to do with the media, which, again, people say is suspicious. They, you know, a lot of people in the stories that I've read had been like, you know, if it was my wife, I would want all the media attention I could get. I want, would do all the interviews, do anything to help find her. I always try and be really, I don't know, I, I don't like to. S- those are really bold statements. No one knows how they're going to react in a situation like this. Exactly. Like, I, I try not say, like, if I was this person. I am not a 27-year-old male who just lost his wife and child or that they're just missing. I have no clue how I would react. And even my reaction probably has nothing to do with someone else's reaction. So, but I will say, I mean, I I try not to do it, but I've been guilty of it before, of, of like, looking at somebody being like, I mean... <laughs> dude like (laughs) you're looking fish (laughs) so right I think everyone has the especially in a public case like that right um you know you just automatically project 
your expectations on the situation. And this, of course, is I think what the media picks up on the most. And of course, like I think one of the biggest names in this case at the time was Nancy Grace. (laughs) And yeah, she's got some like great (laughs) one-liners about this case, but she says that essentially she wanted to crucify Scott because he, quote, rubbed me the wrong way. So he has all of the media essentially just saying that he's guilty and judging his every single move because they don't feel like he's acting appropriately. But at this point, Lacey's family is still really supportive of Scott. They have his back. They At every press conference, they're standing by his side and they're really trying to get police to find Lacey because it's still they think she could still be out there at this point now I have to give you a little backstory of what's going on at the time you know while we have this big case going on little crimes don't stop so around the same time the people who lived across the street from the Petersons actually had reported a robbery they were away for Christmas and when they came back their place had been broken into, and then they report this. So the neighbor actually reports seeing people in the front yard of the house that was broken into, and she drives by, they give her the stank eye, and she doesn't actually report it at the time, but it's once she knows there's a robbery, she lets the police know what she saw. And the police actually, within a couple of days, actually apprehend the guys who were responsible for this robbery. But when they go to arrest them, the first thing that these guys say isn't anything about the robbery. Without being prompted or asked, the first thing they say is, you know, I had nothing to do with that pregnant girl. Whoa. Yeah, a little suspicious. And the the way that they said that the robbery went down, these guys who are, you know, talking to police and they say, you know, we they had a safe in their house. We took the safe out and put it on the front lawn. And after the police talk to them for a couple of days, um, they actually make an announcement on December 30th. And again, these are like going on simultaneously, these two cases, but no one's really connecting them. And the police, whether intentional or unintentional, are really keeping them totally separate cases. But they make an announcement at a press conference that these guys had been apprehended case has been solved for this robbery and that the robbery took place on the 26th wait a minute on the 26th yes when there was media crawling all up and down the street right so this is what is like really sketchy about this so they're saying that the way the, the robbers say what they did is they took the safe out of the house they put the safe on the front lawn while they scoured the rest of the house And the police are saying, yeah, you did this on the 26th, but there's people from the media that are like, yeah, that's not possible because there were, you know, tens of 20, 30 people outside of the Peterson home, which is, again, directly across the street. And he's like, if there were people robbing a home, even if they looked inconspicuous, if they put a safe on the front yard, at least one person is going to recognize this. So... The people who were there that day, even, again, even the media that wants to crucify him, if they were the ones on site, they're saying there's no way that this went down on the 26th, and they really believe it went down on the 24th. So Interesting. Right. The same day that they decide to, like, oh, we're putting case closed on this, 
That very day, they had gotten a call from Amber Fry. And Amber Fry, again, anyone who knows a smidgen about this case knows that really she is the case. This turned everything upside down. Right. So they get a call from her that she knew Scott. She had been having an affair with Scott. She didn't know he was married. And the police actually convince her that they're going to have her, like, be their spy. And so they go to Radio Shack, again, 2002. (laughs) They go to Radio Shack and buy a recorder. And from the 30th on, Amber is recording all of her calls with Scott. Now, again, at this time, there's a media frenzy surrounding the case. I remember hearing reports, and I don't know if you do, of the house smelling like bleach. There was that mop and bucket, which they, again, never said directly, but they would talk about it smelling like bleach with, and then show pictures of, of the mop and bucket. Um, there was no smell of bleach in the house. There was zero evidence. The search that they did on the 26th, they didn't find a speck of blood. They didn't find a smell of bleach. Um, other than the floor being mopped, which Scott said Lacey did, there wasn't like evidence of crazy cleanup. Um, the only evidence they found was when they searched his work shed. They found a single piece of Lacey's hair and a pair of pliers that were rusted shut. And this isn't, to me at least, a huge deal because, I mean, it's his wife. Like, I shed like a dog. I was going to say, like, I, I will show up on many, many crime scenes if all it takes is a strand of my hair. <laughs> right, right. And so this is also something, though, that Al Brocchini, the lead detective, actually gets in some trouble for later in the trial, is dude flat out, like, altered his reports and kind of lied because he didn't like, like, he, you know, in his mind, Scott did it, and he was trying to hide this whole life from Lacey. So what he writes in his report is that you know, Lacey had never been to the marina. She had never been to his workbench. She didn't even know he owned a boat or knew about this place. But there were actually reports of people who had seen Lacey at his workshop or at the marina like a day before. So, and then Al Brocchini basically has to admit like, yeah, I, I had heard that from witnesses, but I basically neglected to put it in the file. <sighs> I know, I know. Ready for the perfect summer horror thriller? A Quiet Place, Day One, the prequel to the A Quiet Place series, is in theaters June 28th. Experience the day that the deadly creatures came to Earth and follow the story of strangers in New York City forced to negotiate survival in silence. With bigger action sequences and more scares than the first time around, you've got to see it in theaters. Plus, it stars Lupita Nyong'o and Jaiman Unsu, so you know it's going to be epic. Watch A Quiet Place, day one, in theaters June 28th. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. 
Um, to jump back to Amber, so when she had called police, again, something that I think I didn't realize and that the media sure didn't like make a good job of pointing out is I thought they had this like long affair and they were super involved. They had been dating like five weeks before Lacey disappeared. And they saw her, I mean, literally, I think he saw her like four times. And she had been introduced to him, like, from a co-worker. He, the co-worker thought he was single. And, you know, Scott's telling her he's looking for the one. She has no clue he's married. And he tells her that he's going to Europe for the holidays. Um, because right before he tells her this, on December 9th, he basically drops a bombshell on her and says, you know, this is, I, I lied to you. I was married, but... I lost my wife, and this is going to be the first Christmas that I spend without her. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to Europe, but when I get back from Europe, we can really, like, talk more about this, and I can explain to you, like, my reasoning for, for lying, and I'm just super vulnerable, bullshit. The whole I lost my wife line, and I know that's exactly what he said because I remember it, and it's just super eerie to me. I lost right. my wife. She didn't die. She's not missing. Obviously, she wasn't missing yet, but I yeah. lost her. Oh, Yeah. Well, and this girl is living under a GD rock because, no joke, she, like, didn't... So, Lacey goes missing on the 24th. It's pretty much... We were literally going to war with Iraq, but, like, all the news was talking about <laughs> was Scott Peterson. No, I totally remember. She didn't see any of it, but until the 30th, and that's... I mean, right when she found out, her friend showed her a newspaper article, and she, like, sees a fuzzy, grainy picture of Scott, and is like, hmm... He looks familiar and then he's like oh he's also a fertilizer salesman who also lives in modesto and like finally girl puts the pieces together <laughs> and so she calls the police and that's when they may make their whole deal um and this is when like things get i feel like so shady so on the t- 31st amber is now working with police scott has told her that he is off in Europe somewhere for the new year. He was spending New Year's Eve in Paris. New Year's Eve in Paris. How cute. So on New Year's Eve in the real world and not Scott's fantasy world, his uh, wife is still missing and her family holds a candlelight vigil for her. And two really big things happen here that I think have played huge into the trial and the conviction and the media's conviction of him. One is there is a picture of him like holding a candle at this vigil, like damn near laughing. And this, of course, was the picture that was posted on every magazine, every newspaper, every website. And they basically said his wife has been missing for like a week. He isn't mourning at all. He's not talking at all. And he's just sitting here like acting like this is a joke. And his family says, like, that's not true at all. Of course, like, they pick, like, the one picture that's going to give them the best headlines. And, she, and his sister said that he had, was talking to his niece or something at the time and had had a sweet moment with his niece. And he was smiling at her or because of her or something like that. And, of course, they snapped the picture then. And, and really, I mean, if you're selling magazines, that's the picture that's going to get you a ton of buys. 100%. So they've got that, and maybe that by itself would have been like, yeah, fishy, but not so much. But on top of that, what we get later 
is right before he goes to get on stage with her family as they make a plea for Lacey to come home or for someone who has her to let her go, we get this call to Amber that is just like, it makes my heart drop into my butt. Yes. Okay, there you go. I'm talking. Okay, I'm like, stay still or something. <laughs> I know. I got to make it work. How's your, how was your New Year's? What's that? How was your New Year's? It's good. I'm just, uh, I went to bar now, so I came out of an alley. Quiet alley. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it is. I can hear you. <laughs> Very good. It's pretty awesome. Fireworks and everything. The Eiffel Tower. The people all playing rock songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, that's good. I'm glad you guys decided to go out. Oh, definitely. I can never remember your friend's name. I know Jeff, but you always say... Uh, okay, you're not doing a great job at convincing me that this guy did not do it. I know, I mean... That call is ridiculous. To be fair, again, I'm not trying to convince you that he's not a slime ball because this dude is gross. But just, just keep listening. So, that's New Year's Eve. Again, no one knows this at the time except for Amber and the police and obviously Scott, but... At this time, Lacey's family is still fully standing by Scott. Um, No one knows at this point that he has even had an affair, has a girlfriend. He's just kind of still the husband that's not acting like everyone thinks he should act. Um, But the police have nothing. All they have are these phone calls to Amber. But the more phone calls they get, the less they even try and look at anything else. I mean, the more they're focused on Scott. And while this is all going on, Scott is basically just being tried through the media. And here's another example. There's a girl named Kristen D. Smart who went missing years before. And the media, like, goes on a rampage and gets, like, a bee in their bonnet and decide, like, oh, my God. You know, Scott went to college, the same place that she went missing. What if he did this? What if he is this serial killer who is just, like, attacking women? And so for a while... That's all that was in the news is everyone linking Scott to this other girl's disappearance. And it ends up being that there's zero connection whatsoever. Scott had nothing to do with it. The police say he has nothing to do with it. But again, it's one of those things where the media was, you know, gung-ho to report it. And it was all they wanted to talk about as soon as he's not, you know, convicted or not even associated with it officially. They forget that it ever happened. Yeah, they're just, they just pretend like they never said anything. And it's they can't even be bothered to report, like, by the way, he's been cleared. Because that doesn't fit into the narrative that they're creating. Right. Have you ever had a feeling that someone wasn't being fully truthful with you? When you need to do a gut check because you're pretty sure something isn't adding up about someone's past, you should turn to Truthfinder. Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by phone number, address, name email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. If you're on a dating app, you need to be on Truthfinder too. Truthfinder helps you identify potential threats so you can avoid them and protect yourself. Millions of people use Truthfinder to find out about people in their communities. If you've got questions about someone, you need to try Truthfinder. And if you're me, you always have questions about people. Truthfinder has helped me access useful, helpful information about the people I'm in contact with that are all my family, especially my kids. Truthfinder has made it simple to be cautious about the people we surround ourselves with. And the peace of mind it's given me is so incredible. 
Go to truthfinder.com slash crime junkie for a special crime junkie offer. That's truthfinder.com slash crime junkie to access your special offer today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has already flown by and there have been so many changes for me at the business that I'm actually really, really proud of. But I am still trying to find a way to prioritize my mental health and my self-care time. So, you know, I have some goals around what I want my work-life balance to look like before the year is up. And I encourage everyone to just kind of pause for a minute, celebrate your wins, but also think about the adjustments you can make for the rest of the year. Therapy is a really good resource that can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Crime Junkie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Crime Junkie. On January 6th, we get another really interesting call to Amber. So Scott actually confesses to Amber that he is Scott Peterson and his wife is missing. And I can't figure out why he would do this. And I think we've got a clip of the call we can play. I don't want to do this over the phone. I want to tell you this. I want to be the only person to tell you this. But uh, I'm sure that's why Saki called you. What? I'm sure it's why Saki called me. Why? Why would Saki? What are you talking about? It's the worst thing. Sorry, Amber. Um, I'll just, I'll just tell you. Okay. Uh, you haven't been watching the news, obviously. No. <clears throat> I have not been traveling during the last couple of weeks. My, I've, I've lied to you that I've been traveling. Okay. The girl I got married to, her name is Lacey. Mm-hmm. She disappeared just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. For the past two weeks, I've been in Modesto with her family and mine searching for her. Okay. She just disappeared and no one knows. Okay, now where she's been. Scott? And I I, I can't tell you more because I, I need you to be protected from the media and Diana. Okay. Okay, they are amazing. Scott. Are yeah. you are you listening? I am. You came to me earlier in December and told me that you had lost your wife. What was that about? She, I, she's uh, alive. What? She's alive. Where? She's alive? Where? In Modesto. Now, I know I, this is the hardest. I, I want to tell you first, I, 
there's a you need to protect yourself from the media. Okay. Okay, if you've been watching the news at all, or you haven't, um, the media has been telling everyone that I had something to do with her disappearance. So the past two weeks I've been hunted by the media. And I just I don't want you to be involved in this to protect yourself. So, Britt, I can't figure out, you know, as far as Scott knows, Amber is you know, dumb as a box of rocks and has no idea what's going on. And he openly confesses to her that this is the truth. I'm really married. I'm Scott Peterson. I'm in the news. Why would he do that? I mean, if she didn't already know, I can't figure out what, what the point of confessing to her is. If he wasn't, if he's not going to call her and confess, like, and I did all of it, like, why just confess this little piece if he was, I just can't, do you have any, any No, thoughts? I think that's a really good question because like, like you said, like she has no, she hasn't really questioned him on it yet. She hasn't approached him about it. She's just been going along with like, I am dating Scott Peterson who has nothing to do with this other Scott Peterson whose wife is missing. And for him to call her just kind of out of the blue and confess like that does seem odd. Right. So he confesses to her again. She already knows what's up though, but she's like, you know, wins the award for, you know, best amateur actress. (laughs) And as we go on, so the case then breaks on January 14th because the police's jig is up. The National Enquirer gets their hands on the famous picture we've seen of Scott and Amber, like, canoodling together at, at a the Christmas, Christmas party. party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they actually call police and give them a heads up and say, hey, like, we have this picture like, A, we'd love to get you to confirm that it's true. Police are never going to do that. But, like, just letting you know, we're going to post it. So I don't know if they were being nice and saying, like, you know, if this is going to fuck up your investigation, heads up. Yeah, this might be the only, like, noble thing National Enquirer has ever done. <laughs> right. So they, the police, decide, like, okay, we can't let Lacey's family find out this way. We have to tell them. So they pull her mom and her stepdad in and her brother and give them a heads up of what's been going on that they've known since the 30th. They've been recording all of the calls. Scott does have a girlfriend. Everything's true. These pictures are going to come out. And basically what the National Enquirer reporting is reporting is true. When they tell the family, um, it's reported that the first thing that her mother says is, why did he have to kill her? So immediately, this changes it for the family as well. They go from being totally Team Scott to 100% thinking that he did it. And on the 24th, the police hold a press conference. And I feel like this is one of the most infamous, if not the most infamous press conference in this case, where Amber comes out and talks about their affair. Definitely. I remember this so clearly. I met Scott Peterson November 20th, 2002. I was introduced to him. I was told he was not married. We did have a romantic relationship. After Amber comes out and and does this press conference, again, it's like this, this super weird reaction from Scott. He actually calls Amber. And again, in the press conference, she at no point says like, I've been a spy. So Scott calls her and tells her that he's proud of her for coming forward. 
which is again super freaking weird so bizarre like some of his actions just come out of left field for me yeah so i'm again i can't figure out where he's coming from because if he was being slimy like no part of him is angry at her no part of him feels betrayed he's just like proud of her for doing the right thing and like you know people can say whatever they want that he was acting he had no idea that their conversations were being recorded so he at least i don't believe he'd be putting on a show so again it's just one of those things that it's still all super slimy but nothing he does makes sense to me After this goes down, Scott feels like he has to give an interview. He hasn't spoken out at any point, and he thinks that people aren't looking for Lacey anymore. And over and over and over again, he just says, like, that is my goal. I don't want people to focus on me, and I tried staying out of the limelight, but that's making it worse. So if people want to talk to me, I'll talk to them, but you've got to stop looking at me. Or if you want to look at me, keep doing that, but you have to look for Lacey while you're doing it because I feel like all people are doing right now is looking at me And that's not helping. Right. So he sits down with a couple of like local reporters and even like Diane Sawyer, like the big guns, and does an interview. And nothing good comes from this interview. He kind of lies even more. He says that he never lied about telling cops about the affair with Amber. He says he was upfront with them. But this... I can't tell if Scott believes himself or if he's lying again because when him and his family talk about this later, they say, you know, the police never asked him if he had a girlfriend. He never lied about having a girlfriend. They asked if their marriage was good and Scott still loved Lacey and their marriage was good. He also tells Diane Sawyer that Lacey knew about the affair and it wasn't a secret from her. So he said that she wasn't okay with it but she wasn't going to break up their marriage over it either. And again, no one knows how true this is because we can't ask Lacey. And you would think that if she knew about it, he would be ending it or she would have had him end it or something. But there really was no break in the affair. It went right on until she went missing. So, of course, the media and Diane Sawyer, everyone is, you know, super suspicious of this. Then he does the thing that absolutely like puts him in his grave he is talking to diane sawyer talking about how he loves Lacey, and he says she was i mean is amazing the past tense it's so incriminating at that point everyone in america stopped listening no i, I can't tell you what he said after that i don't think anyone can tell you what he said after that I'm pretty sure they like everyone cut off the interview and just started giving commentary on the fact that he's already talking about his wife in the past tense when she's been gone for one month. February comes and goes. Lacey, her due date passes. She's still missing. Absolutely nothing happens in March. The case is going so stale. Police have no leads. But again, even in this time where they aren't moving the case forward they still aren't tracking down other leads to me this would have been a good time if the scott angle wasn't panning out or you at least weren't getting anything new and it wasn't enough to convict him it wasn't enough to take him to trial at least spend your time looking at the other angles okay who saw Lacey? when did they see her how often did they see her how many sites do we have like 
is this robbery case really a robbery case? But no. Right, because at some point in time they had a tip line open, right? Mm -hmm. But it just kind of goes stale. That is, until something happens that changes the entire trajectory of the investigation. But you're going to have to wait until next week to find out what happens on the second part of our Scott Peterson special. with us on social media. Britt, do you want to tell everyone how to do that? Sure thing. You can follow us on Twitter at Crime Junkie Pod or on Instagram at Crime Junkie Podcast. And if you want more information on the cases we cover or to subscribe to our quarterly newsletter, you can do that at CrimeJunkiePodcast.com. Crime Junkie is written and hosted by me. All of our sound production and editing comes from Britt Praywatt. And all of our music, including our theme, comes from Justin Daniel. Crime Junkie is an audio Chuck production. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? As a reminder, everyone, tomorrow is both of our birthdays, so please go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. All we want for birthmas <laughs> is reviews. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That was amazing. <sighs> On an early morning under a train's dim headlight, 27-year-old Douglas Wagg Jr. lay across a strip of railroad tracks, and it's on those railroad tracks that the truth about exactly how he died and what really happened to him lies. In the newest season of Counterclock, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra starts by probing into this one man's mysterious death. But what she finds is so much more. A bank robbery, corruption, and conspiracy, and a string of additional suspicious deaths. Seriously, you guys, I cannot count the number of times I caught myself saying, wait, what? And just like me, you will not see the twist coming. Join the Crime Junkie fan club to binge all episodes of Counterclock Season 6 now. Or listen to Counterclock Weekly wherever you're listening.